In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as you may have gathered, this Sunday in Easter is known as Good Shepherd Sunday. We always get a reading from John chapter 10. We get Psalm 23. We sing these wonderful hymns where we speak of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. However, in verses 1 through 10 of John chapter 10, shepherd is not actually the chief metaphor. It's not actually how Jesus refers to himself here. Instead, here, the chief metaphor Jesus uses is not, I am the shepherd, but I am the gate. And probably, I am the gate Sunday doesn't have a nice ring, so we don't call the fourth Sunday of Easter that. But nonetheless, Jesus is telling us that he here is the gate. And this metaphor is meant to encourage and comfort us. But as we read, the people who, un- who heard Jesus say, I am the gate, did not understand what he was talking about. And so we need to do a little unpacking to understand this chapter. And we have to go back to John chapter 9. John chapter 10 is just a continuation of what had happened in 9. And so in John 9, which we read not too long ago in Lent, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath. And having healed the blind man on the Sabbath, Pharisees begin to accuse Jesus. The Pharisees, these are influential sect of believers in Jesus' day who embrace the scriptures and the traditions of the Jews. They say Jesus is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. Of course, the accusation is that Jesus was doing work on the Sabbath day, which violates the third commandment. Because Jesus had made mud, and he put it on the blind man's eyes in order to heal him. The Pharisees say that this work is violating the third commandment. It's violating the law. And so they accuse Jesus. They point a finger at him. And the Pharisees and the gospel become the embodiment of the voice of accusation. Later, the Pharisees will even accuse the poor blind man who was healed. They'll say he is a sinner because he was healed on the Sabbath, because he availed himself to Jesus. They accuse him of being a sinner because he was born blind, and he sinned according to them by conspiring with Jesus to break the Sabbath. And so we see that the Pharisees only have accusations. The Pharisees did not see the blind man's great need, as Jesus did, Or if they did, they had nothing to say to the blind man except to accuse him of sin. They had no words of comfort. They had no words of healing for the blind man. And so throughout the Gospels, it's clear the Pharisees are hypocrites because they're always ready to accuse without seeing the ways in which they also must be accused. But here, the Pharisees become helpful to us because they help us see an important truth. And that truth is that the law always accuses. God's demands to us will always register in our ears as accusation. In fact, the Lutheran confessions say the law always accuses. It always terrifies our conscience. That is to say, as we say every Sunday, that as sinners we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. The old sinner in us will look at the Ten Commandments And right away, we know that we stand accused. We don't keep the commandments. Our hearts do not fear, love, and trust God above all else, nor do we love our neighbors as ourselves. And so our sin nature always stands accused by the law because we know 
though we cannot keep it. The commandments of God become a mirror for us in which we see how imperfect we are, how full of sin and evil we really are. And the problem becomes when we think that the law, that is what God's word demands of us, is the only word that God has for us. That's the thinking the Pharisees fall into. They only see God's work through the lens of the law, through his commandments. And therefore, they use the law to accuse Jesus. They even use the law to accuse the poor blind man. And the Pharisees double down on the accusations of the law. And this becomes the problem that Jesus has with the Pharisees here in John chapter 10. The Pharisees go to a poor blind man and say that he is sinning because he was healed by Jesus. They even threw the poor man out of the synagogue. They say, you can't worship with us any longer. You can't fellowship with us any longer. And so Jesus calls these Pharisees thieves, bandits. He'll call them wolves. And what Jesus is saying is that these false shepherds, these hirelings, these people who are supposed to be the righteous leaders of the Israelites, these are leaders with bad intentions who are ruling over God's people only with the threat of accusation. And so he says to them that such leaders kill and destroy. They have no words to heal. They don't have the gospel. And that's really simple. We know there are preachers out there who will only hold up the law and show you how sinful you are, how inadequate you are. And this happens in churches everywhere of every denomination all over the world. It happens in conservative churches and liberal churches. Conservatives will preach more on personal piety. Have you prayed enough? Did you read your Bible? Did you give enough to the church? What are you doing about the degradation of society and culture? And more liberal churches will preach the same law, but they'll preach it on social justice, or do you care enough about the poor? Are you advocating for the oppressed? And so on. But in both cases, in both kinds of churches, there's really only one message being preached, and that's the message of accusation. It's a reality that you cannot live up to the law that they're demanding of you. It's always going to accuse you. And this can even be very well-meaning. It's not always so sinister. Sometimes churches give messages that are inspirational. They come across as try harder, do better, feel a little better, smile more, be a little happier. We get sermon series and books that are, here are 10 strategies for a happy marriage, a better life. But it's all just law preaching. It attempts you to get you to do something but what happens is inevitably you will fail. And so it stands above you as only an accusation. And so Jesus ascribes this kind of preaching to thieves and bandits. Specifically, he says these preachers are not coming to God's people through the gate. Well, what is the gate? The gate is Christ. And so the preacher's job, the church's job, is to bring the word of God through the gate to the sheep. That is to preach Christ to the people. Jesus criticizes the Pharisees because they can only beat people over the head with the law. They can only make people feel the weight of their sin. Christ, however, has something else for God's people. As we see with the blind man, Christ brings healing. 
And to us, Jesus brings the word of the gospel. That is, he brings the word of abundant life for us. When Jesus says, I am the gate, he is telling us that he is doing more than keeping us enclosed in the accusations of the law. Gates are meant to be opened. Jesus is the gate that opens up the kingdom for us. He is the gate that opens up so that we can be led into green pastures and still waters. Jesus opens the gate so we are free. Or in his own words, Jesus says he opens the gate so that we may receive abundant life. This is what green pastures and still waters of Psalm 23 are about. They're about a conscience set free, a soul no longer burdened by accusations, a soul no longer burdened by the guilt of its sin, a reminder that in Christ there is nothing to fear, because as you sit in green pastures, there is no law standing over you accusing you. You are led into the pastures to be free, to be just who God has created you to be. And so we can fear no evil. We can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because Christ, who is at the right hand of God, is with us and he comforts us. The law's accusations against us are technically correct. We are indeed sinners. We stray and wander like lost sheep. But God always forgives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so the law has no real power over you. This is what St. Paul says in Romans. For Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. And so there are many voices in this world that are going to tell you that you are under condemnation. Many voices that are going to tell you you are not enough. In politics, we'll hear voices that tell us we're awful people if we vote a certain way. We might hear supervisors at work tell us that our performance is poor. We'll hear teachers at school tell us that we're not good enough in one way or another. We're going to hear criticism from family, from people around us. And most of all, you're going to hear the weight of the law in your very own conscience. It will tell you how much of a sinner you are. It will tell you that you can never be accepted by God. It will remind you that you have all kinds of problems, and most of these problems are your fault. They're your own doing. But the Good Shepherd reminds us that these voices are not the voices that define you. The voice that defines you is the voice of the Good Shepherd who says, Dear child, you are forgiven. You are mine. The poor blind man was not defined by the accusations the Pharisees leveled at him. He was not defined by being thrown out of a synagogue. He was defined by the voice of Christ who said, Be healed, be forgiven, be made whole. This is the voice that the sheep know. It's the gentle voice of the shepherd who gives life and freedom to the sheep. And this applies to you as well. There's always going to be an accusation out there for you. The law is always going to accuse you. But Christ has already forgiven you. He is your shepherd. And you need nothing else. He takes care of it all for you. Amen.